0: let
1: us pray, the sunrise morning show, and to start your day.
2: It is Tuesday, the 30th of January. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, how great you are. You separated the waters and drew forth the dry land. Protect all coast dwellers from the rampages of the sea. You filled the oceans with teeming life. Sustain those who make their living from the sea. You water the earth and bring forth food. Send rain to those places that suffer drought and famine. Lord God of earth and sea, yours is the dry land and yours the water. Have mercy on us who so easily forget that we are not gods, but God's creatures and beloved children. We worship you in all humility as the source of all life. Receive our prayer with loving kindness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. If you want to see what things look like, you can just check it out in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. That'll show you the Facebook Live and YouTube Live feed of everything that's happening. Father Boniface Hicks will be along to talk a bit about a an insight into... The Nature of Prayer from St. Clement of Rome, one of the earliest Christian popes. Marlon De La Torre will discuss St. John Bosco. Dr. Jim Schrader has more thoughts on social media and kids this morning. And it turns out that Colleen Rennie uh, and the Marici House, the Marici Village in Indianapolis, are a little bit famous this week after Ted Karras from the Cincinnati Bengals got a popular fan vote for Walter Payton Man of the Year. And everybody found out that's who Ted's promoting. So we get to talk to the Catholic uh, apostolate for adults with developmental disabilities that's being helped by an NFL player later this morning with Colleen Rennie. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
3: Good morning. The U.S. will, quote, respond decisively to any aggression against U.S. troops in the Middle East. That's what Secretary of State Antony Blinken Told reporters yesterday following the attack by Iranian backed militants in Georgia that in Jordan that left three American service members dead and dozens injured. Lincoln said the U.S. response against Iran would be multi leveled and sustained over time. He said the administration is working to prevent broader escalation in the region. Meanwhile, the Department of Defense is identifying the three U.S. soldiers who were killed in that drone strike in Jordan as hailing from the same unit from Georgia. Those killed were Sergeant William Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Moffitt. More than 40 additional service members were injured in the attack, allegedly carried out by an Iranian-backed group. The president has vowed that response. Pope Francis has called for a global ceasefire in a new interview granted by to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports.
4: Speaking of the many ongoing conflicts, Pope Francis invites everyone to pray for peace, expressing his belief that dialogue is the only path toward a peaceful future. He called for all parties to immediately stop the bombs and missiles and end hostile attitudes everywhere. The Pope called for a global ceasefire because he said we are on the brink of the abyss. He expressed his fear of a military escalation across the Middle East, but said he entertained some hope because confidential meetings are taking place to try to reach an agreement. A truce would already be a good result. Regarding Ukraine, the Pope recalled the task entrusted to Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the president of the Italian Bishops' Conference. The Holy See is trying to mediate an exchange of prisoners and the return of Ukrainian civilians, said Pope Francis. In particular, we are working with Ms. Maria Jova-Belova, the Russian Commissioner for Children's Rights, for the repatriation of Ukrainian children forcibly taken to Russia. Some have already returned to their families. In the interview, Pope Francis recalled that Christ calls everyone from within, referring to the declaration fiducia supplicans that allows for blessings of persons in irregular or same-sex couples. The gospel is to sanctify everyone, he said, emphasizing that it is not the union that is blessed, but the persons. We are all sinners, he added, and why should we make a list of sinners who can enter the church and a list of sinners who cannot be in the church? This is not the gospel, he said. Regarding criticisms of the document, the Pope noted that those who vehemently protest belong to small ideological groups. He expresses trust that gradually everyone will be reassured about the spirit of the declaration, which aims to include, not divide. It invites us to welcome and then entrust people and to trust in God. Pope Francis admitted to sometimes feeling alone, but I still always strive ahead day after day, adding that he does not fear schisms. In the church, there have always been small groups that manifest reflections of a schismatic nature. One must let them carry on whilst looking ahead. I'm Francesca Merlo.
3: The Federal Open Market Committee kicks off its first meeting of the year today. It's a two-day event that culminates with an announcement on the future of interest rates most analysts are predicting that no rate change. there will be no rate change at the moment, but a March rate cut is still very much in the conversation. Attorney General Merrick Garland is scheduled for back surgery Saturday and will temporarily give power to Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco. The announcement yesterday from the Justice Department is in line with new rules about cabinet secretaries. Garland's procedure is to relieve compression between two vertebrae is expected to return home the same day meanwhile defense secretary lloyd austin is back to work at the pentagon following his controversial hospitalization mark mayfield reports
5: during a meeting with the nato secretary general austin told reporters he feels good and is recovering well Austin was hospitalized earlier this month due to complications from a December surgery to treat prostate cancer. He faced sharp criticism and calls from some to resign after it was revealed that President Biden and top officials weren't notified of his absence until days later. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: And the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers fans wanting to head to Las Vegas to go to the Super Bowl may have to hit the jackpot, the cheapest available on the NFL ticket exchange on Ticketmaster for that game is listed for nearly eleven thousand dollars after fees.
2: Gone it. I guess I can't go now.
3: Uh, I know. One I was thinking about it. Seat in an upper level end zone section of Allegiant.
2: The nosebleed section eleven grand. Says, I don't want to know what the fifty yard line's like.
3: My story here says a little bit of a better deal can be found on StubHub, where a single ticket can be bought for just over eighty-six hundred dollars after fees.
2: So eight thousand
3: six hundred dollars on StubHub.
2: You know there there are all kinds of different angles to this, but if you got if you got one of those. Well, first of all, it's going to be a better experience watching from home, anyway. No doubt. Because then you can just like walk out and you know head to the bathroom, get more buffalo wings, check on the pizza rolls in the oven,
3: comment on all of the turn commercials. it off at
2: halftime. As you know, you know whatever it is that you got to do. My other my other thing is Anna Mitchell. You have this eleven thousand dollars Super Bowl ticket. Why was this ticket not sold for eleven thousand? denarii and the money given to the poor I don't know maybe not maybe I'm being unfair
3: here maybe you're being unfair
2: but that's a lot of money for a football ticket
3: yeah a lot
2: the Sunrise Morning Show continues I'm Matt Swaim joined now by Father Boniface Hicks he is the author along with Father Thomas Acklin of Personal Prayer a guide for receiving the Father's love Father good morning
6: Good morning, Matt. Great to
2: be with you. Great to be with you as well. And uh, we've gotten through sort of the substance of your book, but you got this appendix, and uh, I was looking at it the other day, and it is loaded. Uh, you've put together a bunch of great quotes from some of the um, the great saints over the centuries on prayer, and I was hoping that over the next few weeks we could unpack a few of those. Are you up for that?
6: That sounds great, yeah.
2: All right, so you lead off with a, a quote from Pope St. Clement I, Uh, who is one of the early popes of the church. But I just want to read the quote, and I would love to get kind of your your first take off of this. Uh, Clement says, Who can describe the bond of God's love? Who is able to explain the majesty of its beauty? The height to which love leads is indescribable. In love, the Master received us. Jesus Christ, our Lord, in accordance with God's will, gave his blood for us, and his flesh for our flesh, and his life for our lives." Uh, I don't know if we can sum this one up in seven minutes, but there's a lot in there.
6: <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, it, it really points to what is so central in Christianity, which is uh, love. God is love, and, and heaven is love. Uh, the whole last chapter of the, the book that we, uh, you and I, spent some time working through is it's really describing heaven in those terms, holiness in those terms, and uh, sometimes we get caught up in thinking holiness is other things, levitation, stigmata, uh, uh, magic tricks, I don't know. But holiness is love, is the perfection of love. But then uh, in our society, we also, of course, uh, have all kinds of weird weird ideas about love. And, and just to describe it in those terms, uh, God's will gave his blood for us, his flesh for our flesh, his life for our lives. That's real self-emptying love. And to be drawn into that is to be drawn into the fulfillment of our being, is to be drawn into a taste of heaven, is is to be drawn into, uh, into union with God. So so it's just great to, to reframe uh, all of prayer, all of the growth of holiness, all of discipleship is, is really coming to be discipled by Jesus Christ, who loves us uh, that much.
2: Well, and to get this window into how those first Christians would have thought about things. I mean, Pope Clement uh, it, most scholars believe that this is the guy who was mentioned in the New Testament, <laughs> right? I mean, this is a guy who was about one heartbeat away from Jesus Christ himself, who would have known the apostles. And so when we think in our you know contemporary context of love as being affection, like I love chocolate chip cookies, right? I love Tabasco flavored cheese. I love these things because I have an affection for them. And then we go back and we read what Clement says about love, which is informed by the apostles who knew Jesus himself, which is uh, his flesh for our flesh, his life for our lives, meaning that, right, we give our life to be involved with his life. I mean, that is a very, very significant difference between just mere affection and pure self-emptying sacrifice.
6: But I love how you you point out, Matt, that this is this is the first pope uh, after Peter, uh, Pope Saint Clement the and uh, well, maybe the third or whatever. Linus he's, Cletus, he's early. Uh, yeah, we know Clement's, he's uh, early anyway. And it's but, early. <laughs> yeah, first, uh, first, I mean, first century. You're right. It's
7: yeah. You know, we
6: have we have this 20 centuries of theological development, of saints' reflections, and and this is the way that the the apostles and their um, just immediate successors understood. The mystery that had been revealed to them in Christ crucified and risen, and it it is amazing to think about that. And and we uh we we've gone all over the place and have very different culture and things like that and different understanding of language and, but uh, yeah, right right at the beginning, they just had it with such radiant clarity, so beautiful.
2: Well, and to to realize that. You know, there are some who would make the argument that after the apostles, uh, Christianity sort of departed and went onto this old, this whole other thing. Uh, but it seems to me pretty clear that Clement gets it. <laughs> I mean, Clement, yeah. in writing about uh, you know self-emptying love, uh, that that Christ, uh, that he came to show us the love of the Father, that God Himself is love. I mean, this is this is like exactly what you read. It's completely consistent with what you read in the first letter uh, and second letter of St. John the Apostle, right? I mean, these are, this is the way the earliest Christians talked
6: about love. That's right, and and this is probably contemporaneous with, although Clement was not an apostle, uh, he's living really the same time as, as John and has had that kind of reflection. So it gives us also a sense of there's, there's uh, apostolic writings, uh, the, the scriptures, the, the beauty of that, and, and those, are the, those are the terms that they understood from the beginning. This is not a power trip. This is not world domination. This is not a, a quick way to get rich, but Christianity really is this religion of the perfection of love after the, uh, the model of Jesus Christ and receiving from what he himself gave us as God-made flesh who poured out his life for us on the cross
2: there are some scholars I mentioned who think that this is the same Clement who is mentioned by St. Paul in Philippians 4.3 uh, when Paul's talking about his fellow workers that he hopes the Philippians will keep in prayer and that, that he hopes they appreciate. He says, uh, ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul's writing that letter from prison. <laughs> so if he's talking about Clement... Mm. Uh, and the assistance that Clement is giving, the assistance that these women in this group are giving to Paul, uh, they they are giving it to Paul, they are working alongside Paul at one of his hardest and most challenging moments in his ministry when he's writing in chains. So Clement's not just writing this as a pious platitude for a Hallmark card. Clement understands the stakes of love.
6: Yeah, that's right. And that's what's so beautiful about the early Christians, martyrs, prisoners for the faith, who gave everything, understanding that that's uh, not just an obstacle to be avoided, but is is the uh, the normal consequence of loving as Christ loves. We have so much to learn from them.
2: Absolutely. Well, you have... Just, I mean, an absolute treasure trope. I mean, the, 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 the appendix of your book, Personal Prayer, is worth, <laughs> worth the price of the book alone because there's some absolute gems in here, and I look forward to working through them with you soon. But in the meantime, we've got your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Boniface Hicks, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day.
6: You too, Matt. Thank you.
2: 16 past. We've got headlines coming
8: up next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare.
9: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same
10: time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Four, five.
0: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
5: Catechism in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is now available right here on Catholic Radio. Encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith, as we journey together toward
11: our heavenly home. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz. Tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on EWTN Radio.
2: Eighteen minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines.
3: Pope Francis has called for a global ceasefire in a new interview granted to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. The Orthodox Patriarch of Constantinople has expressed his condolences to the Catholic Church attacked during Mass in Istanbul. And the Federal Open Market Committee kicks off its first meeting of the year today. Looking ahead to an interest rate announcement tomorrow.
2: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, just a reminder, there are all kinds of radio shows out there that cover those news stories in depth and you know we we do make a point to try and let you know about the most important ones but mm-hmm. uh, i don't know about you when i hear anna mitchell's news i think to myself well this is my prayer request list yeah. <laughs> this is my prayer request list that i'm going to go down there's no need to get into the arguments and the fighting about the aspects of all of these things sometimes we go a little bit more in depth depending on what the story is but for mm-hmm. the most part um our job is to kind of help you get a little perspective. And, you know, hearing from Father Boniface just kind of reminded me of that. Coming straight out of the news into Father Boniface saying,
8: God essentially, is love.
3: Like,
2: here's, here's all the crazy things going on in the world. Here's everything that everybody's told you is like the most important thing in the mm-hmm. world. And let's just rewind everything about 2,000 years and think about what's actually important. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, Anna Mitchell, but like that is. There, there are a lot of different ways one could start one's day, but I appreciate <laughs> this being a place where yeah. we can start the day like that. That even is why though we know stuff.
3: We need to start off our mornings in prayers. So we're in this um, traditionally known as Septuagesima uh, season; these three weeks ahead of well. Is it three weeks ahead of Lent? Two weeks ahead of Lent? Uh, The math will kill you, but Septuagint
2: means uh, seven.
3: Right. So um, I was reading, have you heard of Dom Prosper Geranger? He has this huge, huge, um, I don't know, dozens of volumes on the liturgical year. And I've been reading what he had to say about Septuagint season. And he lists these morning prayers that we should be doing during this time period. You should send
2: those to me because and I don't thinking, know if people are aware, but we begin every morning hour with
3: prayer. Yeah. Well, it's neat. They're very liturgical. Um, very much might be a little long. The,
0: yeah, it might be a little long. For the but slot. good stuff right here. Start off in way prayer. start your
2: day. It's 21 past.
0: Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. Have you
8: subscribe
0: to get the sunrise morning show
8: show notes when you subscribe the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with a list of featured guests books articles and websites we'll discuss and then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the sunrise morning show on video so to know when your favorite guests are on go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Baltimore Catechism asks, which are the chief effects of the redemption?
12: The chief effects of the redemption are two, the satisfaction of God's justice by Christ's sufferings and death and the gaining of grace for men. Satisfaction of God's justice. This indicates that God is just. He is not one who is blind to the evils of this world. And when we cry out to the Lord looking for justice, we know that his justice will come. And it did come through Christ. And so when we are united to Christ, we are united to God's justice. And also we should give God right order so that what sin made disordered, well, righteousness in Christ now sets right. And so through Christ's example and through his humanity, he deserved a reward. And this is the merit that he gained. The grace for us to enter eternal life as sons and daughters of the Father. That is redemption. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
3: It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to The Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Marlon De La Torre is joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks.
13: Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks.
3: You know, it's Jersey Day at my kids' school for mm. Catholic Schools Week, and yeah. uh, Freddie will be wearing a Buckeyes jersey. I just thought I'd let you
13: know. That's very fitting. Yes,
3: yes, absolutely. (laughs) Speaking of fitting, it's fitting, I think, that Catholic Schools Week is situated um, in relation to the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, who is, of course, the patron saint of of students. But Catholic Schools Week always happens also as we celebrate the Feast of St. John Bosco on Mm -hmm. January 31st. And he is, of course— the patron saint of youth. So we are mm-hmm. going to be talking about Don Bosco. I know you love Don Bosco. Mm, um, can you much. talk about the time in which he lived?
13: You know, it, the upheaval of Turin and just all of Italy at the time was was quite stark when you dive into the history of St. John Bosco. I mean, there was an antagonism uh, against religion in general. The, uh, the established parliamentary government had really uh, – devoted itself to removing all semblance of Catholicism Mm -hmm. within state government. And he was within the middle of that backdrop. In many respects, he was an ambassador to the Holy See to try to refrain uh, the political fray of the time from really imposing their will, closing churches, uh, prohibiting uh, appointments of bishops, by the holy father at the uh, at that particular point in time but in general just this whole uh, understanding of uh, the relationship between god and man and so what you had was the, the, not only the age of enlightenment but this modernistic viewpoint especially by jacques rousseau um, who was in, in some ways an adversarial contemporary to to bosco and where, where saint john bosco would say the, the, the whole essence of man is to be in union with god and love mm-hmm. and that was the complete opposite that he was facing uh, amongst the, uh, the secular humanists of the time. And so through that backdrop, uh, his oratories were basically reservoirs for young men, for young boys who either had no parent were discarded in the streets or left to their own devices. And he saw them as the opportunity to rescue them and bring them home and give them a life of discipline of prayer, but most importantly of love uh, through that discipline. And this is what he had to deal with and to great upheaval and threats to his own life.
3: Yeah. You know, I I think of that uh, verse in Esther about being made for such a time as Mm -hmm. this. And, And certainly Don Bosco lived that out. I mean, against that kind of backdrop, he is he's trying to save these boys and show them an entirely different way from the culture around them.
13: Correct. And uh, the disposition for Don Bosco was he, he, everybody portrays him in as a jovial man. And he was to a point, but he was very stern.
10: Mm-hmm. And
13: that's what really uh, got the, uh, the communities upset, especially the political uh, establishment. He did not back down. And so he used that same temperament, but in a loving way with his students who would question or try to do devious things or disrespect him or not follow the commandment of the law. He said, look, I will love you. I will love you so much that it will be no question for you not to want to follow the law of God. And so this is what he he set out to do with his oratory, uh, establishing the, the Salesian methodology from St. Francis de Sales, uh, who was a great influence on him, mm-hmm. and, and looking at this whole venue of the child as he is worth my time i will be an accommodation for him if god accommodates to us and walks with us why do i not do the same to these children and so he's just such a a wonderful human being to look at and say all right this is how your disposition should be to a child especially one who's unruly that there is hope for these children
3: yeah so talk about how he serves as a model for for catechists and and really, teachers in general, especially in Catholic schools.
13: Okay, he, every the, the Oratory you could you could compare it to. I wouldn't say an atrium to the catechism of Good Shepherd, but more mm. of a of a lifetime atrium where you didn't necessarily have oh. all these different elements within an atrium. But what you had was the practicality of life. So for him, the Oratory was for those who are familiar with catechism of Good Shepherd. For him, he saw the practicality of developing an atrium of life for these children. Mm. And so every stage of prayer in the morning, meal, midday prayer, study, afternoon exercise, activity was basically a living, breathing atrium. This was the oratory. And so when you take that to heart, as a teacher, we should look at it from that point of reference, that every waking moment that we encounter a child is a living oratory or a living atrium of life. Mm -hmm. And he really focused on the practicality of helping This poor young soul view life through a a Catholic lens, through a lens of the divine, not the human. And that's really something as us as teachers should really take to heart because that's the whole world. The whole world that God created should be this holy oratory, this holy atrium. And if we dive into that process, uh, children will notice, they will mimic, uh, they will impress upon themselves the necessity of following a rule of faith. And that rule of faith comes from God through the commandment and manifested through Christ. So, That's just a wonderful thing that we can use as an initial stepping stone in our teaching.
3: I love that. Seeing the world through a Catholic lens means that everything around us can tell us something about God and most especially those boys who were there with you, those Mm -hmm. children who are there with you, recognizing God in them and helping them recognize God in themselves Amen. And in each other. St. John Bosco, pray for us.
13: Pray for us. We've
3: been talking to Marlon De La Torre, and uh, he's got a lot of stuff that he's written about Don Bosco over at knowingisdoing.org. You can find it linked at sunrise com. Marlon, thank you so much and go Bucks.
13: Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks.
3: It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis has called again for a global ceasefire, Vatican News reports. He did so in a new interview granted to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. Speaking about the war in the Holy Land, the Pope said that until the Oslo Agreement, which put forward a two-state solution, is applied, quote, true peace remains distant. In calling for a global ceasefire, the Holy Father said, we are on the brink of abyss. And he said the Holy See remains involved in trying to find solutions in Ukraine. He said they're working with the Russian Commissioner for Children's Rights to get Ukrainian children repatriated after being forcibly taken to Russia. He said some may have already returned to their families. President Biden says he's weighing options to retaliate against Iranian-backed militants behind the drone strike in Jordan that killed three U.S. soldiers and injured dozens more. Mark Mayfield reports.
5: National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters Biden has been holding meetings with his national security team. He stressed that the U.S. is not looking to engage in war with Iran, which has denied involvement in the attack. Reports suggest the enemy drone evaded U.S. air defenses because it was mistaken for an American drone returning to base. It marks the first U.S. troops killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: The Department of Defense is identifying those three U.S. soldiers who were killed in the drone strike in Jordan, saying they hail from the same Georgia unit. Those killed were Sergeant William Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Moffitt. More than 40 additional service members were injured in that attack. The Orthodox Patriarch of Constantinople has expressed his condolences to the Catholic Church attacked during Mass in Istanbul this past weekend. The Islamic State has claimed responsibility and at least 47 people have been arrested in connection to the attack. Vatican News reports Patriarch Bartholomew called the Apostolic Vicar of Istanbul to convey his support and condolences to all who mourn. Pope Francis met with Catholic journalists working for the Italian bishop's news agency, encouraging them to communicate the church's closeness to the most vulnerable and marginalized. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
7: Amid the vortex of technological innovation taking place in the world of communication and information, including now artificial intelligence, Catholic communicators must never lose sight of their fundamental mission of bringing the light of hope to the darkness that surrounds us. Pope Francis stated this point as he welcomed in the Paul VI Hall some 1,000 managers and employees of the Italian bishops-owned TB 2000 and in blue two thousand networks, noting that communication and information always have their roots in the human, the Pope indicated those attending the audience three keywords for their work. He first cited proximity and closeness to people, especially those on the margins of society, as opposed to the dominant logic in media that leads even to creating fake news. The second key word Pope Francis cited was the heart, which he said makes proximity and closeness possible. Noting that heart in Latin is also the root word of courage, he exhorted those present to have the courage to go against the flow by building bridges and not divisions. Finally, Pope Francis cited the word responsibility. Everyone, he said, must do their part to ensure that every form of communication is objective, respectful of human dignity and attentive to the common good. Pope Francis concluded by citing the words of Saint Francis of Sales, the patron saint of journalists and writers:
14: "Non è per la grandezza delle nostre azioni che noi piaceremo a Dio, ma per l'amore con cui le compiamo."
7: It is not for the greatness of our actions that we please God, but for the love with which we perform them. I am Lisa Zingarini.
3: Kate, the Princess of Wales, is now back home from the hospital. Kensington Palace says she's quote making good progress from her planned abdominal surgery. More details about the surgery have not been provided, but the palace has said it is not cancer-related. She's not expected to return to public duties. Until after Easter. Meanwhile, the king remains in the hospital after undergoing treatment for an enlarged prostate. It's 35 past the hour.
0: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com.
2: If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier.
3: And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra.
2: While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs.
3: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
10: That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Recall to mind how long it is since you began to sin. Note how greatly sins have multiplied in your heart since that first beginning, and how every day you have increased them against God, yourself, and your neighbor, by deed, word, desire, and thought. Consider your evil inclinations, and how often you have given way to them. By these two points you will discover that your sins are more numerous than the sands of the sea. Cast yourself at the feet of the Lord, and say to him, Lord, with the help of your grace, I will never again abandon myself to sin. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong.
3: Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Department at Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center. He writes for the National Catholic Register and Alatea. You can find all of his writing, including his books, online at james-schrader.com. Good morning, Dr. Schrader. Yeah, good morning. So when I think about the Surgeon General and Surgeon General's warnings, I think of like cigarettes, you know, things that are bad for your health. And right. so the fact that the Surgeon General has a report on social media, I think that should make us sit up and think a little bit. Can you give us a sense of what he had to say?
11: Yeah, I think it really should make us think quite a bit, right? So this, mm-hmm. was, this came out last year, a 25-page advisory regarding social media usage and its negative effects on our youth. And here's a quote from him in the advisory. Um, Dr. Murphy noted, quote, Children are exposed to harmful content on social media, ranging from violent to sexual content to bullying and harassment. And for too many children, social media use is compromising their sleep and valuable in-person time with family and friends. We're in the midst of a national youth mental health crisis, and I'm concerned that social media is an important driver of that crisis, Hmm. one that we must urgently address, end quote. Wow.
3: Yeah. Um, How long have you been practicing as a a psychologist, Dr. Schrader?
11: For about 20 years.
3: Okay, so you've been practicing since before social media was really a thing. Um, Have you yourself seen a correlation between mental health issues in children and their rise in social media use?
11: Yeah, I definitely have seen that. It's been really interesting, you know, when social media first started kind of ramping up, um, I think there were questions about, you know, just exactly what were the effects or what was causing them. But it's if you look at kind of the rise, and, and there's so many different factors that kind of connect to this, it's really interesting to see and concerning to see the parallel in regards to the amount of time that youth are spending on social media and the amount of concerns that we're seeing in the general public. And I'll, and I'll give you this was actually part of the advisory, it indicated that research has found that youth who spend more than three hours a day on social media are at twice the risk for anxiety and depressive symptoms.
3: Three hours? And,
11: yeah. Like so here's this the, is... inter-
3: Okay,
11: right, go, on, go. Three hours so, to your point, Eddie. Here's the thing: a recent survey in 2021 found that teens spend an average—that's an average—of three and a half hours a day what? on social media. Right. Wow. And this is going
3: to be primarily on phones, right?
11: Well, this is going to be on, you're right, it's going to be on their mobile devices. So that's a whole other issue that, you know, we don't even have time for this morning. But, yeah, so it's basically saying that if I get to above three hours, I'm twice the risk for, you know, having anxiety and depressive symptoms. And the average that our youth are spending is above, you know, that kind of cutoff line. And um, so you can kind of understand why this is just really, really kind of pumping out into a significant way in our general communities.
3: So what would you say needs to be at the heart of conversations about this?
11: Yeah, there's a few different things, and I I encourage people to check out the article around this, is that number one, parents really have to kind of question, what what consent or support are we giving you at any age for using social media and devices? You know, we've talked about this, you and I, that parents really have to start coming together and kind of recognizing maybe we've stepped out too quickly to allow these things, and so that's one thing. The second thing is we really need to have a lot of conversations about school policies regarding social media and device usage, and not just policies that are kind of like perfunctory, but policies that actually are being reinforced and enacted there. Excuse me. The third is I think we really have to have safe, healthy options for youth in accessing the Internet, which they are, of course, going to be able to use or need to use at some level, but without becoming dependent on their devices and social media, And I think the fourth is we really have to have scientifically supported ways to promote safety and well-being when it comes to any device usage, um, really at any age, period. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, Just a little anecdote. Uh, I was looking out my window at home not too long ago um, when a school bus came up at the end of the street. And I saw these kids get off the bus and they were standing there just waiting for the bus to, to go past so they could cross the street. And they were all ready. Looking at their phones yeah. on and and this was a grade school bus that was was dropping. Out. I mean, these kids couldn't have been any older than seventh or eighth grade that were standing there with their phones um, in hand um, just as soon as they got off the bus from school. So so children as young as, as middle school, I, I don't know, maybe even younger than that taking these devices to school. And, you know, we talk a lot about the role of parents in all of this, rightfully so. Obviously, they're the ones making these calls when it comes to their kids. But um, since it is Catholic Schools Week this week, Dr. Schrader, I'd like for you to hone in on what you were saying about school policies. I mean, what would be your message to school administrators and, and to educators who spend so much time with these
11: children? Well, my message is be courageous and don't be afraid to t- to stand out we actually there was a recent article um it came out last week looking at a couple of schools who have banned mobile devices. And actually, it's starting to happen more across the country, and not just at the grade school level, but even at the high school level. And what they're finding is that although there's initially like, oh, my gosh, how are you going to do this, and how is this going to work, that these schools are seeing tons of benefits from actually stepping out courageously and doing this and providing an environment for learning and socializing that is way more healthy than exists. And so, you know, it's it's never it's never a bad thing to be courageous, right? And we got to go forward with things that are important.
3: Absolutely. So, this article from Dr. Schrader is over at the National Catholic Register, ncregister.com, and you can also find it through his site james-schrader.com, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Doc, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you very much. All right. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Colleen Rainey joins us from the village of Marichi in Indianapolis. Got a nice little plug during the NFC Championship game on Sunday. Hope you can stay with us. It's four Nope. 16 till.
2: Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from visiting angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available.
1: Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at Combonimissionaries.org.
2: If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier.
3: And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra.
2: While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs.
3: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
2: That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The Pentecost Today podcast is about bringing people closer to God through the work of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, fueling the fire of renewal. You can hear the Pentecost Today podcast as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates around the world, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com radio and click Podcast Central today.
12: Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise
2: Morning Show. We thank you for joining us on this Tuesday, January the 30th. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines.
3: Pope Francis has again called for a global ceasefire, doing so in an interview granted to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. President Biden says he's weighing options to retaliate against Iranian-backed militants behind the drone strike in Jordan that killed three U.S. soldiers. And Pope Francis met yesterday with Catholic journalists working for the Italian Bishop's News Agency, encouraging them to communicate the church's closeness to the most vulnerable.
2: Got another newscast coming up at the top of the hour. Right now, it's 14 till. Colleen Rennie is executive director of the Village of Marici, and they've got some Bengals connections that we get to discuss this morning. Colleen, good morning.
15: Good morning. Thank you.
2: (laughs) All right, so Village of Marici, getting a little airtime this week. If you could, let us know what you guys are about and what you do.
15: Okay. Um, Village of Marici is a um, uh, service organization where we provide residential and community opportunities for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities to help them achieve independence, uh, living on their own, uh, basically. We work with them, uh, every person that we serve, um, and believe in what is possible for them to achieve. Uh, We believe we're all lifelong learners, and our coaches uh, work with them one-on-one to support them uh, in their life-essential activities so they can live uh, a happy, uh, satisfying adult life.
10: Well,
2: we're excited to hear about the news regarding the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award and Ted Karras, who plays, uh, he's a lineman for the Bengals. You you know, Ted Karras is known as kind of like one of the all-around, you know, main good guys. Like, he's just one of those good guys of the NFL. The thing is, though, he's in Cincinnati, and there's 100 million opportunities to do good here. (laughs) So how in the world did he end (laughs) up connected with you all?
15: Well, Ted uh, uh, went to school here in Indianapolis uh, at... uh, St. Matthew's Catholic School with my son. Uh, he also went to Cathedral High School and uh, has been kind of a you know lifelong family uh, 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 participant. So uh, when he was uh, drafted to uh, the NFL, first with the Peyton, first with the um, Patriots, and then with the Dolphins, and then with the Bengals, he's always been a supporter of the village of Maurici. Our um, oldest son has a developmental disability, so as a friendship with our, our son, um, he's always been involved and supportive of the village from Maurici and our mission um, to uh, help others. As you said, that's, he's a, a great all-around good guy.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's one of the coolest things about seeing some of these uh, guys when they do their, their, their charity work in, in various organizations. Some of them do them in the towns, that they uh, currently live in, right, where they're playing. And some of them, they stay real close to their roots, <laughs> right? And they they <laughs> right. never forget where they came from. So I imagine that it's always kind of cool when Ted's back in town.
15: Oh, we love it. Um, he is uh, such a genuine um, uh, person. He loves uh, meeting the people we support. He comes and plays uh, um, games with them. He taught them all how to play um Blackjack and um, uh, roulette for one of our uh, fundraisers. He's been involved with us since the beginning, and uh, he has developed true friendships with the uh, the people we support. And they just enjoy him coming and spending time when he's in town.
2: Well, it's so cool uh, to to see that he's investing in these. Uh, these people from his own hometown uh, to give them an opportunity to integrate and be included and to learn life skills and to have some independence in their lives. And, and this is really. Uh, so much at the heart of of what we understand as Catholics uh, about the nature of the dignity of the human person, and you know, I wonder how your work here and your own experience of this with your family has helped you really understand the beauty and the dignity of every human life, no matter what kind of struggles they may have, no matter what kind of adaptations they might have to make.
15: Right. We, you know, we truly believe that everyone is a lifelong learner. Everyone has a meaningful. Uh, Uh, part of their life that they can contribute to the community in which they live. Uh, We cherish um, their goals and their uh, interests and try rather than try to fit them into what we do, we fit ourselves into what they want to do. It's their their life and they need to be able to um, direct themselves um, and be able to make decisions and advocate for the things that they choose they want to be able to do.
2: Yeah, that was the other thing I really wanted to ask you about, because when it comes to people who have uh, challenges and developmental disabilities and and some other things, I think it's so uh, tempting for us who who maybe don't have those same challenges to say, well, here's all the things we want to do for you. Uh, How important is it to give them the opportunity to be able to do things for themselves, to have agency, uh, to be able to actually do these things themselves?
15: It's, um, it's the goal. It's, it's what, you know, we want to give them the opportunity to make their own decisions. It's uh, a different process. We had um, people who um, it, back in 2005 when we started looking at trying to uh, develop this model of uh, achieving independence uh, for, as an adult, um, they were, you know, individuals were primarily living in group homes or with their family and doing whatever mom or grandma told them to do. And, really didn't have a whole lot of choices to be able to say, hey, I'd like to work in the community or I'd like to live with my friends or I'd like to, you know, be able to, you know, um, go out and date or or whatever the reasons are that they want to have a meaningful life. And so we really wanted to um, make sure that our uh, staff and our programs really supported that um, independent um, self-choice. Well, it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's doesn't everybody want that, right? I mean, this is this is what it you know what we all want to do. We all want to we all want to give back. Uh, We all want to help. We want to be agents and and make our own decisions. Uh, You know, it's so cool that you got an NFL player behind you. Not every organization that's trying to do these kind of things has something like a you know a, a Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate. Uh, like Ted Karras behind him but how excited were you did you have any idea that he might be able to to win the fan vote or were you just excited that he was mentioned in the first place did you have any idea this was going to go this way
15: we um, had hoped it would go this way we didn't have uh, any idea the Cincinnati um, area and the Bengals fan base are just huge supporters of Chad. And when uh, the uh, Bengals nominated him as their candidate for the Walter Payton Man of the Year, and then uh, we found out about the Nationwide Charity Challenge um, fan vote, we um, gathered our friends, we gathered the Cincinnati supporters, the Indianapolis supporters, families, uh, the people we support to start the voting process. And so uh, Nationwide indicated that they uh, received a, a the highest number of votes ever for um, all 32 um, wow. nominees of 7.5 million. And Ted received 2.4 million of those votes. <laughs> so he has a large uh, fan base, like I said, uh, Italy from, you know, the village of Ricci's, uh staff and individuals we support and their families and the Indianapolis and Cincinnati community. Um, so we're, we're just thrilled, and we're um, hoping he'll win the overall Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which I guess will be announced next Thursday, the week of Super Bowl, so um, on their awards night.
2: Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time this morning, Colleen Rennie. Have a wonderful day. And we've got villageofmarici.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com so people can join Ted in helping you out.
15: Thank you so much.
2: All right, Anna Mitchell, uh, got to give a shout out to Cathedral High School yeah. and our listeners uh, in Indianapolis on any Catholic radio because there are two, uh, and Colleen hinted at this, two Cathedral High School grads from Indianapolis who are in the running for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Wow. So you got Ted Karras. Who uh, graduated from Cathedral went to uh, University of Illinois, Big Ten school, mm-hmm. and is now won the fan vote for Walter Payton Man of the Year. There's another guy who went to Cathedral who I think you know. I think you know because he went to Ohio State and now plays wide receiver for the Washington Commanders. That'd be Terry McLaurin.
3: Oh, who is really? also up Oh man, for talk Peyton about a, a blast from the past.
2: So nice. how is that? It's Catholic Schools Week. You got two guys from one Catholic high school. Uh, to be recognized for the NFL, in part because, I mean, they're they're great athletes, but also because they decided that they're not just going to take this platform and use it for their own glory, but try and figure out, you know, how do I take this stuff that I've been given and uh, put it back into the community in a way that helps so out. Cathedral
3: so Cathedral High School is run by the Holy Cross Fathers. Yes, it is. Which makes sense, uh, given its proximity to, to, Notre, to Dame. Notre Dame. To Notre Dame. Hello, Jesuit... Man for other high schools. Let's step it up with your Come on, football get some players. More Jesuit high school we gotta players. We got to see. You know, actually, we should have Paul Lockman do some research. Paul, Paul, I got a job for you. I'm looking at Paul right now. I want you to look up the high schools of every Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Let's do it. And let me know if there are other Catholic high school grads. Can you find that info? He's tipping his hat to me.
2: It's he's got be, one uh, of those cincy hats
3: that Ted Karras. He's not wearing it today, but uh, he's got one of those. Oh, it's Ted a helping, cincy hats. Yeah, to rem- tro- he got an interview about it.
2: Disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Paul's interviewed Ted Karras. Ted Karras has spoken at some like men's Catholic events in the yeah. in the cincy area. It's good stuff. Morning, Ted, if you're listening. We got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up after the break. For many of you, please do stay with us. It's three till. It is Tuesday, the 30th of January, as we continue through Catholic Schools Week. We want to pray for all who are trying to share the gospel and teach in the name of Christ. A prayer of St. Charles Borromeo in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God you have generously made known to man the mysteries of your life through Jesus Christ your Son and the Holy Spirit. Enlighten my mind to know these mysteries which your church teaches and treasures. Move my heart to love them and my will to live in accord with them. Give me the ability to teach this faith to others without pride, without ostentation, and without personal gain. Let me realize that I am simply your instrument for bringing others to the knowledge of the wonderful things you have done for all your creatures. Help me to be faithful to this task that you have entrusted to me. Amen. Praying for all of you who work in any form of Catholic education, whether you are in elementary school, middle school, high school, home school, independent school whether you're in public school but you happen to be a catholic we are praying for you on a tuesday morning as we continue through catholic schools week i'm matt swaim anna mitchell has news paul ackman at the controls travis has a video feed up and running you can check it out in the show notes and watch us on facebook and youtube and that's all there at sunrise morning dot com up this hour There is much to discuss. Matt Leonard's going to be along from Science of Sainthood, and he's got a new series, a free series, on his site that unpacks the Mass a little bit. We're going to talk to the guy who runs the National Catholic Education Association, Lincoln Snyder from NCEA. It will discuss Catholic Schools Week with us. Also, Steve Ray on Girls and Girlhood in the Bible, and Chris McGregor to unpack a selection from the Divine Office. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. News a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
3: Good morning. The U.S. will, quote, respond decisively to any aggression against U.S. troops in the Middle East. That is what Secretary of State Antony Blinken told reporters yesterday following the attack by Iranian-backed militants in Jordan, which left three American service members dead and dozens injured. Blinken said the U.S. response against Iran would be, could be multi-leveled and sustained over time. Meanwhile, the Defense Department is identifying those three U.S. soldiers who were killed in the drone strike in Jordan, saying they all hail from the same Georgia unit. Those killed were Sergeant William Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Moffat. More than 40 additional soldiers were injured in the attack. Pope Francis has called for a global ceasefire in a new interview granted to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports.
4: Speaking of the many ongoing conflicts, Pope Francis invites everyone to pray for peace, expressing his belief that dialogue is the only path toward a peaceful future. He called for all parties to immediately stop the bombs and missiles and end hostile attitudes everywhere. The Pope called for a global ceasefire because he said we are on the brink of the abyss. He expressed his fear of a military escalation across the Middle East, but said he entertained some hope because confidential meetings are taking place to try to reach an agreement. A truce would already be a good result. Regarding Ukraine, the Pope recalled the task entrusted to Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the president of the Italian Bishops' Conference. The Holy See is trying to mediate an exchange of prisoners and the return of Ukrainian civilians, said Pope Francis. In particular, we are working with Miss Maria Jova Belova, the Russian Commissioner for Children's Rights, for the repatriation of Ukrainian children forcibly taken to Russia. Some have already returned to their families. In the interview, Pope Francis recalled that Christ calls everyone from within, referring to the declaration fiducia supplicans that allows for blessings of persons in irregular or same-sex couples. The gospel is to sanctify everyone, he said, emphasizing that it is not the union that is blessed, but the persons. We are all sinners, he added, and why should we make a list of sinners who can enter the church and a list of sinners who cannot be in the church? This is not the gospel, he said. Regarding criticisms of the document, the Pope noted that those who vehemently protest belong to small ideological groups. He expresses trust that gradually everyone will be reassured about the spirit of the declaration, which aims to include, not divide. It invites us to welcome and then entrust people and to trust in God. Pope Francis admitted to sometimes feeling alone, but I still always strive ahead, day after day, adding that he does not fear schisms. In the Church, there have always been small groups that manifest reflections of a schismatic nature. One must let them carry on whilst looking ahead. I am Francesca Merlo.
3: The Orthodox Patriarch of Constantinople has expressed his condolences to the Catholic Church that was attacked during Mass in Istanbul last weekend. The Islamic State has claimed responsibility and at least 47 people have been arrested in connection to the attack. Vatican News reports Patriarch Bartholomew called the apostolic vicar of Istanbul to convey his support and condolences to all who mourn. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is back to work at the Pentagon following his controversial hospitalization. Mark Mayfield has more.
5: During a meeting with the NATO Secretary General, Austin told reporters he feels good and is recovering well. Austin was hospitalized earlier this month due to complications from a December surgery to treat prostate cancer. He faced sharp criticism and calls from some to resign after it was revealed that President Biden and top officials weren't notified of his absence until days later. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: The Federal Open Market Committee kicks off its first meeting of the year today. It's a two-day event that culminates with an announcement on the future of interest rates. Most analysts are predicting no rate change at the moment, but a March rate cut could still be very much in the conversation. And a pilot and explorer claims he found Amelia Earhart's long-lost plane, CEO of Deep Sea Vision, Tony Romeo, Not to be confused with Tony Romo. Tony Romeo sold commercial real estate to fund his deep sea exploration of the Pacific Ocean last year. The former U.S. Air Force intelligence officer used sonar technology to inspect the ocean floor in the area. Earhart is suspected to have crashed back in 1937. His team reviewed the data in December and say they found a shocking discovery, a blurry plane-like shape that Romeo believes to be Earhart's. It was taken about halfway between Australia and Hawaii. What happened to the Bermuda Triangle theory? I don't know, Jim.
2: Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't help with my Tony Romo impression. I'm sorry, you <laughs> led. I don't. You know, didn't, okay. You didn't even
3: hear what my question was, did you? Like you no, were yeah, just No, well, yeah. I mean, what's so the Bermuda Triangle? Focused. I don't know. I, oh. I
2: don't know, Jim. Oh.
3: Hello, know. friends. Hello, friends. I'll be Jim. You be Tony. I
2: I don't know if any of these people listen to the to the shows and and the uh, the impressions that we do or the references that we make or the statistic of the day or any of the things that we steal from their archives. But I assure we're not breaking any copyrights. We go out of our ways.
15: No to trademarks not break broken.
2: Copyrights or violate trademarks. It
15: wouldn't
3: surprise me if Jim has copyrighted "Hello, Friends."
2: If he has, I'm very sorry.
3: I'm gonna owe him a lot of money. You have received has. mail.
2: The thumb on this hand and the thumb on this hand are both up. All right, it is the Sunrise Morning Show. It's always great to catch up with Matthew Leonard from the Science of Sainthood. You can find a link to his work at SunriseMorningShow.com. Matthew, welcome back to the show.
11: It's
16: great to be with you guys. And as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I think a great deal of offense at your invitation of Tony Romo. Matt,
2: I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll I'll work on my Jason (laughs) Witten impression for next time. My Aikman. So, Uh, you've got a free series on the Mass, a free series on the Mass that is really uh, geared towards helping people during the Lenten season understand the Mass. Now, I'm going to take for granted a little bit that a lot of the people who are in our listening audience at least get that the Church teaches that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist, and they get that part of the Mass, but how do you try and help people understand the entire Situation of prayer that surrounds that reality
16: no well that 's the the trick isn 't it and yeah i 'm a convert like you to the faith, and I became Catholic more than twenty five years ago, and even before I became Catholic, I was going to mass every day. I knew it was central to everything, and yet it took a long time for what it is you 're just talking about to sink in and begin to become my reality, and once you begin to understand what it is that God is offering us—the kind of the offer that's on the table—and the scale starts to fall from your eyes to these deeper realities, that's when the kind of the training wheels come off of your mass experience, and that's what I wanted to kind of begin to convey. And not that I'm like some crazy expert; like we're just scratching the surface here because we're talking about the infinite God. But what I wanted to do was kind of go beyond the externals and the rubrics and the rituals and the vessels and the vestments, as important as they are, but begin to explore the deeper mystical realities that unite us to Christ in the liturgy. So why do we do do? it? What do the rituals and the rubrics point us to? Because if you don't have that reality, then the words and the actions that we do, they're kind of empty, in a sense, they're just human actions. But God is present in them, obviously, and he is drawing us into this incredible reality of the life of the Trinity, and that's what I wanted to focus on.
2: Well, we begin and end every Mass, right, by invoking the Trinity. Uh, This is how we start and end everything, right, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But I'm wondering if you break down at all the fact that different parts of the Mass are directed at different persons of the Trinity, uh, so that we can sort of see what the Father is doing in the Mass, what the Son is doing in the Mass, and where the Holy Spirit is present in the Mass.
16: Yeah, it's not just that you're directing them at different persons of the Trinity. I think that they're directed at even different stages of our own spiritual life, and a lot of the spiritual writers in the Church will relate the different members of the Trinity to those different stages, and we progress through those in the liturgy. So the Father almost, in a sense, is there in the that beginning stage of our lives in the purgative way, which is kind of like this movement through the Old Testament, and then it's the Son in the New Covenant, where we're experiencing Him, obviously, in the Eucharist, but then we move into the life of the Spirit through what it is we're receiving, and all these are kind of progressions in the stages of each one of our individual lives as we're drawn more deeply into the life of the Trinity. And I think that if we really understood how intrinsic The mass is, and what it is that is offering, we would build our lives around it. Matt, there's this great story of Saint Teresa of Avila, where she was overwhelmed with the gratitude of what it is that God had done for her in her life, and she basically said, "You know, how can I make it up to you? How can I repay you?" And he said, "Attend one mass." And we're kind of like, "Is
2: that it?" And he's like, "No, this is it.
10: Like this
17: is this
2: this is is this thing. This is what the whole world revolves around. Uh, the The universe (laughs) has gone through all kinds of." chaos uh, empires have risen and fallen but the mass has survived them all <laughs> it's this crazy thing but you know the other thing too and you buried the lead a little bit on this you said that you were a convert uh more than that man you were a preacher's kid <laughs> so you grew up you know front pew of a lot of church services from a lot of different kinds of christian contexts i did too uh, but I can tell you that in the course of a regular Sunday, it was not common for me in the Church of the Nazarene or the Free Methodist Church to cover confession of sin, profession of faith, uh, prayer for the faithful departed, invocation of the entirety of salvation history, a profession that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ has come again, all in one service. Well, you might break one of those out for a Sunday, but the amount of ground that the Mass covers is st- staggering.
16: It is. We would have like an you know an eight week sermon series on two verses. You know, right? Exactly. And after a forty five minute song service, and we we'd sing maybe about a sacrifice of praise or something like that. But we weren't doing it. And I, there's there's something that's so that the mass encapsulates our lives. It's like the drama of salvation, you know, in a nutshell. Every time we go to it, and I think one of the things that what that I really want to get to people to understand is that we we go to mass, but the mass is supposed to flow out of what it is we do in that hour into every part of our lives. And I know that's kind of like you know Catholic vernacular. Okay, yeah, we're supposed to you know like live it out, live the faith. But literally, the the active participation in the sacrifice of Christ that's taking place is supposed to inform and empower every aspect of our lives, because if the liturgy is the summit toward which the activity of the Church is directed, all of our lives should be directed toward preparing to participate as deeply as we possibly can in that encounter with divinity in the liturgy. And that's really what I'm kind of hoping to do in this series.
2: Well, you've gotten a taste of what the vibe is over at Science of Sainthood, (laughs) you know, and you've you've hinted at some of the stuff you've also done on entering deeply into prayer in general, but I know you're offering this series on the Mass, especially for Lent, because you know, there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, they're getting kind of that wake-up call with Ash Wednesday that maybe I I ought to get more serious and and get more dialed in as we head towards, uh, you know, Holy Week and the Easter season. If they want to access this series that you've got available, Matt, what's the best way to do so?
16: There's a couple of ways. You can go to scienceofsainthood.com and just sign up there. Or if you're uh, you're on the radio audience, you can just text the word MASS to the number 66866. The word MASS to 66866, and it signs you up. So it's totally free, and the lessons will roll out once a week beginning Ash Wednesday, and I really hope that it draws people closer to the Lord.
2: Yeah, while you're over there, uh, look around. There's some great stuff at Science of Sainthood, and... uh, I'm really appreciative of all the stuff that you've been working on over multiple years, right? Uh, Matt Leonard uh, creating great resources on prayer and liturgy and a whole lot more. Again, you can text MASS to 66866 and get locked into that series. Matthew Leonard, thank you. Have a wonderful day. God bless you guys. All right. We're back with headlines after this. It's 15 past.
8: Support is from Solidarity HealthShare.
9: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs?
10: Join Solidarity Healthshare, a faith based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844 334 3245. That's 844 334 3245. Solidarity Healthshare. 844 334 3245.
8: Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to SunriseMorningShow.com and click subscribe.
1: This is Father Gerald Murray. Catholic truth conveyed through the radio reaches so many, both Catholic and non-Catholic, and they receive encouragement, strength, guidance, and enlightenment. The Holy Spirit is working through these radio waves that go out to all the countries of the world. Catholic radio, of course, is an effort to make Christ known.
5: The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever.
2: 17 minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines.
3: Pope Francis has called for a global ceasefire, doing so in a new interview granted to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. The Orthodox Patriarch of Constantinople has expressed his condolences to the Catholic Church attacked during Mass in Istanbul this past weekend. And Pope Francis... Met with Catholic journalists working for the Italian Bishop's News Agency yesterday, encouraging them to communicate the church's closeness to the most vulnerable.
2: Anna Mitchell, we continue through Catholic Schools Week. You mentioned with Marlon De La Torre last hour that tomorrow is the Feast of John, John Bosco, yep. who's deeply connected with Catholic education.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: figured I'd throw it up, uh, back out there in case anybody wants to let us know what their schools are doing. Today is House Colors Day. I don't know if your school House does this. House Colors. No, we don't have so. We We've have a house system.
3: Oh, okay. Go ahead.
2: So, um, I believe my son's in the Saint Gabriel house.
3: Oh, neat. So, the are colors are blue. We don't have houses. Our classrooms are named after saints, and my boys are in the Saint Gabriel room. Really? Roma's in Our Lady of. Tommy Lourdes. and Freddie
2: are both Saint Gabriel guys.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They're wow. In the same. It's a Montessori classroom. Sure. So, sure. you know, three age groups in one environment. And they are in St. Gabriel. Roma's in Our Lady of Lourdes. She'll be in Our Lady of Guadalupe do they have a, year. Do
2: they have, like, a, a color for their class? No.
3: Not oh. that I know of.
2: Because we're blue. We're blue. That's cool. There was, like, a, all it's... this debate, and I'm like, wear jeans, man. Just wear jeans. We'll figure out the shirt situation, but you're covered on pants.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Feel bad
2: for whoever's in the yellow house. Yeah, that's Find hard. Finding some yellow pants. That's rough. That'd be rough. Yeah. So, so then what's your—you got a theme for today, then? Yeah, at, today at is Jersey Day. Oh, that's right. Because Freddie's wearing a uh, Freddie's
3: wearing an Ohio Ohio State State jersey. jersey. Um, Uh oh. Okay, so I'm not somebody that buys jerseys. Nor am I. I'm a huge sports fan, but I don't buy jerseys. It's just not my thing.
2: I don't spend two hundred dollars on a shirt. I I have.
3: There's this mom at our school who has two boys that are. I don't know. They're about the same distance apart as Tommy and Freddie, but you know, several years older. So she often drops by with like bags of clothes for me.
0: Because including she's outsized got jerseys.
3: Yeah, including outsized Perfect. jerseys. So Tommy Tommy is wearing a Chad Johnson jersey today.
2: Like a Shadow Chocinko? <laughs> Shadow
3: Chocinko, he's got he slept with it last night. Like he a wouldn't let 85? me. He wouldn't let me set it out. He wanted to sleep with
2: it. Wait, so that means today is jersey day and pajama day for Tommy.
3: I mean, kind of, yeah.
2: If he wore a an Ocho he'll be jersey wearing, to
3: bed. He'll be wearing jeans. No, he yeah. didn't wear it to bed. He just, like, cuddled with it. <laughs> just, like, had it in his arms. He was hugging it.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. Let us know what your Catholic schools are doing. For Catholic School Week. we'd love to uh, mention some of it. Lincoln Snyder from NCEA joins us to talk about more next.
8: What? Subscribe to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with a list of featured guest books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe.
0: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show each weekday morning. Listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at
1: sacredheartradio.com. If there is one psalm that bears a great fascination for Christians, it is Psalm 22. Like many others, it is a call for the Lord's help. But Psalm 22 contains elements that seem particularly Christian. The opening verse of the psalm was quoted by Jesus on the cross. Later verses give details of the sufferings that Jesus endured. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my prayer, from the words of my cry. My heart is like wax, melting away within my bosom. Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers closes in upon me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. They look on me and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my vesture, they cast lots. O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Dale Petrka. The Sunrise Morning Show continues.
2: I'm Matt Swain. We're glad you're along for Catholic Schools Week. Of course, Sunday was the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the great patrons of Catholic education. Tomorrow, the Feast of St. John Bosco, also deeply involved in Catholic education. At the beginning of the month, we had Mother Seton, who basically founded Catholic education in this country. And so it's great also to talk to Lincoln Snyder, who's president of NCEA, the National Catholic Education Association. Lincoln, welcome to the show.
18: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
2: All right, so we've been talking around uh, the office. Uh, Annie and I, my co host we both have kids in Catholic schools. I had Wacky Tacky Day yesterday, House Day (laughs) today. There's been Pajama Day, Superhero Costume Day, Jersey Day. I wonder what are some of the most creative spirit days you've heard of? Uh, I, I think you just took the, the prize.
18: Country. I think you just took the prize. You know, I, I couldn't come up with any, anything better than that list. You know, I, I will <laughs> say that there are definitely some um, really strong traditions that we see everywhere. Grandparents' Day seems to be a huge hit uh, in thousands of schools nationally, a chance to bring in uh, not just the parents, but grandparents. And it's amazing how many of our Catholic schools have, have multi generational families within the parish or within the high school that, uh, uh, that come back for Catholic Schools Week.
2: It's great to to see it all kind of play out. we got Penny Wars going. we got all kinds of fun stuff, Uh, you know, outreaches, vocations, visits. Uh, What's your favorite part about Catholic Schools Week?
14: My
18: favorite part about Catholic Schools Week is just how unique and special it feels in every single community. NCEA has been sponsoring Catholic Schools Week um, for decades now, and we put out a media package and give people uh, starters or ideas for things that they could do, but uh, every single community really takes this and uh, makes it their own. They really make it a chance to put their best foot forward. Um, and what's exciting about that is, you know, for us as Catholic schools, community and faith community really lies at the, the heart of what we do and why we do it. And so to see the, the communities invest in, in celebrating um, their togetherness and in such creative ways really is a lot of fun to see.
2: Well, there may be a perception out there that Catholic schools are basically public schools with, like, church one day a week, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I wonder if you could maybe help people understand the vision of of how Catholic schools are meant to just not just be, like, public school with a religion class, but to be something that really understands, you know, and tries to communicate the whole of the gospel in every aspect of life.
18: Yeah, we... We do offer academic subjects, of course, just like public schools do, and, and, uh, and we're proud to say that our, our outcomes are really excellent in academics, but that's not at the core of why we do what we do. We really do see Catholic schools at the heart of the Great Commission that the uh, Good Lord gave us of, of making uh, disciples of all nations, and starting with, with the kids and the families in our own communities. And so we have these schools because we are community schools first. and. Um, you know, one of the great things about Catholic schools as an institution for for the nation is that we do a really good job of forming servant leaders. And uh, you know, so Catholic Catholic school graduates tend to be uh, really strong in in civic engagement and in service jobs. and And um, we think that happens because we're forming servant leaders in Christ. And so we're taking that taking that message of servant leadership from the gospel, and and we see our kids uh, living it out. So in Catholic schools are. Of course, great for the Church. They're still a very effective instrument of evangelization, if not the Church's best. Uh, But uh, we're also producing citizens uh, that are servants first, and and, uh, we think that that's just a very important mission.
2: As evidenced by the fact that earlier this week we had the chance to talk to uh, a lady from a, a ministry in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, and she mentioned that not one but two Walter Payton Man of the Year candidates for the NFL are graduates of one high school, cathedral high school in Indianapolis. I mean, just think about that. I mean, well, when you form people in the right way, the kind of fruit that can bear over time, uh, there, there are just so many ways I see this play out. Uh, one of the things that I've been really encouraged uh, by is the um, the the effort by so many schools to do so much to try and improve inclusion and help students with developmental disabilities who might not otherwise be able to get into a Catholic education and a loving environment, get into those environments and really thrive and flourish. I wonder if that's one of the things that's perhaps been an encouragement to you as well.
18: It is encouraging. In in the diocese where I live, uh, Arlington, uh, each of the high schools now has an inclusion program that includes a help for children with uh, more significant developmental differences like Down syndrome, um, you know, through kids with things like uh, ADHD or autism, and then also, way more support for kids that uh, don't have a diagnosis but, but uh, might need additional help. Um, and we're seeing that play out across uh, schools throughout the country. And So 20, 30 years ago, um, there was not uh, nearly the level of uh, sophistication yet, but uh, it's also a change of heart. I really see that, that uh, our school leaders are very invested in making sure that kids that have learning differences uh, are included at the school in the schools because they're community schools first, and they want... They want those kids to feel like they're part of the body of Christ.
2: And they are. They're part of the body of Christ, absolutely, 100%, and we need to recognize that. So, Lincoln Snyder, we got a lot of people on the road right now in the car, perhaps students going to attend their Catholic school, perhaps teachers, parents, maybe a bunch of listeners who went to Catholic schools. What's one word of encouragement you'd give them this morning during Catholic Schools Week?
18: This is a great week to to celebrate the schools and also be thinking of all those ways that we can give back. Catholic schools are a gift for the families and a gift for the kids, but they really are a gift for the Church. And, um, you know, as we celebrate all that we've done, uh, it's it's a great chance for us as as parish communities and Church communities to remind remind ourselves of why these schools are excellent and why it's important for us all to stay invested in supporting that next generation of Catholic schools.
2: Yeah, there's so many people who are like, ah, what are we going to do? How are we going to connect with the young people and the next generation of... of of Catholics. I'm like, you got all these Catholic schools. They're right there. You know, (laughs) invest in them, get involved in them, support them, uh, mentor, do all these wonderful things in these Catholic schools in your community. Lincoln Snyder, we've got NCEA linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, the National Catholic Educational Association. Have a wonderful day, and thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Again, uh, when you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, find all of our guests, links to the things that they're involved in, and hit us with a note. Let us know what you're doing in your school for Catholic Schools Week this week. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
3: Good morning. Pope Francis has again called for a global ceasefire. Vatican News reports he did so in a new interview granted to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. Speaking about the war in the Holy Land, the Pope said that until the Oslo Agreement, which put forward a two-state solution, is applied, quote, true peace remains distant. In calling for that global ceasefire, the Holy Father said we are on the brink of the abyss and said the Holy See remains involved in trying to find solutions in Ukraine, saying they're working with the Russian Commissioner for Children's Rights to get Ukrainian children repatriated after being forcibly taken to Russia. He said some have already returned to their families. President Biden is weighing options to retaliate against Iranian-backed militants behind the drone strike in Jordan that killed three U.S. soldiers and injured dozens more. Mark Mayfield reports.
5: National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters Biden has been holding meetings with his national security team. He stressed that the U.S. is not looking to engage in war with Iran, which has denied involvement in the attack. Reports suggest the enemy drone evaded U.S. air defenses because it was mistaken for an American drone returning to base. It marks the first U.S. troops killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: The Department of Defense is identifying those three U.S. soldiers who were killed in the drone strike in Jordan, saying they all hail from the same Georgia unit. Those killed were Sergeant William Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Moffat. More than 40 additional service members were injured in the attack. The Orthodox Patriarch of Constantinople has expressed his condolences to the Catholic Church attacked during Mass this past weekend in Istanbul. The Islamic State has claimed responsibility and at least 47 people have been arrested in connection to the attack. Vatican News reports Patriarch Bartholomew called the Apostolic Vicar of Istanbul to convey his support and condolences to all who mourn. Pope Francis met yesterday with Catholic journalists working for the Italian Bishop's News Agency, encouraging them to communicate the church's closeness to the most vulnerable. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
7: Amid the vortex of technological innovation taking place in the world of communication and information, including now artificial intelligence, Catholic communicators must never lose sight of their fundamental mission of bringing the light of hope to the darkness that surrounds us. Pope Francis stated this point as he welcomed in the Paul VI Hall some 1,000 managers and employees of the Italian bishop's owned TB2000 thousand and in blue 2000 networks noting that communication and information always have their roots in the human the pope indicated those attending the audience three keywords for their work he first cited proximity and closeness to people especially those on the margins of society as opposed to the dominant logic in media that leads even to creating fake news the second key word pope francis cited was the heart which he said makes proximity and closeness possible Noting that heart in Latin is also the root word of courage, he exhorted those present to have the courage to go against the flow by building bridges and not divisions. Finally, Pope Francis cited the word responsibility. Everyone, he said, must do their part to ensure that every form of communication is objective, respectful of human dignity and attentive to the common good. Pope Francis concluded by citing the words of Saint Francis of Sales, the patron saint of journalists and writers: "Non è per la grandezza delle nostre azioni che noi piaceremo a Dio, ma per l'amore con cui le compiamo." It is not for the greatness of our actions that we please God, but for the love with which we perform them. I'm Lisa Zingarini.
3: And Kate, the Princess of Wales, is back home from the hospital now. Kensington Palace said she's making good progress from her planned abdominal surgery. More details about the surgery have not been provided, but the palace has said it is not cancer-related. Kate is not expected to return to any public duties until after Easter. Meanwhile, King Charles III remains in the hospital after undergoing treatment for an enlarged prostate. That's the news. You're listening to The Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past the hour.
2: If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier.
3: And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrise sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra.
2: While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs.
3: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
19: That's sunrisemorningshow.com. What does the Church say about infant baptism? The Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven belongs to little children. Since baptism is the entry to the Church, it is only logical that babies are baptized to put them in possession of what God has given as their natural right. Infant baptism gives us an unquestionable affirmation of a basic fact of our Christian faith, That is, our faith and our salvation are not ours to choose or earn, but are gifts from God. It also reminds parents and godparents of their duty to bring children up to understand and follow the teachings of the church as Christ taught. Parents who opt to let their children make their own decisions about what religion, if any, they will choose later in life fail to grasp the responsibility they share in the salvation of their children. For many parents, carrying out this responsibility to raise their children in the ways of the Church aids them in living out their own faith. For more information, contact your local pastor or refer to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 1250 through 1252. For Sacred Heart Radio, This is Deacon Bill Mullaney. And we thank you for joining us on this Tuesday,
2: the 30th of January. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. He's been going through all kinds of lists of all kinds of things in the Bible with us over the course of a few years now. Steve, good morning.
14: Good morning, Matt. Always good to be with you on these Tuesday mornings.
2: Yes, we talked recently about boys and boyhood in the Bible. guess we got to talk about girls and girlhood in the Bible, or otherwise Janet's going to get on
14: you for this. She's sitting right here checking and (laughs) listening to make sure I say it right.
2: (laughs) All right, so then uh, where do we start this conversation?
14: Well, I looked up how many times we find in the Bible the word girl or maiden or virgin. They're all kind of synonyms in a way. Uh, how many times are in the bible so we have 116 times total where girl is mentioned 40 times maiden eight times and virgin 68 times so it is there's a lot of in the bible about young girls and growing up that uh, as a young woman and one of the most important things the girls did every day. And by the way, I, when I take our pilgrimage groups to Nazareth and we're at the well of Mary, where she had to get water every day, I always ask the girls in the group, do you think that the Mary and the other girls liked going to the well every day with a jug on their head to come back with two gallons of water for the family that day? And they all the girls say, no, they wouldn't like that. And they, I said, I think you're wrong because who else is at the well? Every morning, all the girls go to the well to get water in the morning and in the evening. And they didn't have Twitter and Facebook back then. So they were all talking. They loved that morning get-together, gab-fest, so to speak, where the girls could all— The original and water
2: up... cooler, Steve. Yes, right?
14: that's exactly right. And all the girls would go there, and they had their friends, and they're busy with their mothers uh, making clothes and doing other things. So that morning and evening chore of getting water, I think, was very delightful for the girls.
2: So uh, that is part of the daily life of girls in the Bible, but the Bible spans a lot of centuries, right? So there are a lot of things going on, which also means we got a lot of stories of different girls from different eras. So who are some of the main figures that we should be probably knowing about and sharing the stories of?
14: Well, since we're talking about Wells— it's interesting to know that that's often also where a girl found her husband, because we have a, a classic examples of Isaac finding his wife, Jacob, the servant found uh, uh, Rebecca. Remember, she watered the camels and he took her back to, to Isaac to be his bride. Jacob found his wife, Rachel, at the well. Moses find his wife, Zipporah, at the well. And then there's another one that's very interesting uh, in can, in a symbolic way, Jesus met the Samaritan woman at a well and he talked to her and brought her to belief in himself. And then the whole, her whole village believed in him. It all started at the well when she went to get water. But the girls um, there's a lot of girls we have, I'm going to name a few. Miriam, who was the older sister of Moses, but she plays a very important part in scripture and in the story of salvation because she's the one that took little baby Moses down to the bull in the bulrushes and put him in the Nile River and then watched and protected him until uh, the, the Pharaoh's daughter found him. Rebecca, was a shepherdess she took care of the sheep and by the way that's what young girls did a lot the ones who were were from families with sheep and goats the young girls would also go and you see that today when you're driving through the judean wilderness today there's all on the hillside of the little bedouin girls that are taking the sheep out so that's rebecca rachel also and then you have a girl who was we don't know her name she was just a little evangelist (laughs) she was a slave girl from israel who was among the Syrians up north. And her her owner, her boss, Naaman, the, the captain of the army, got leprosy. And she said, if you go down to my country, to Elisha, he'll heal you of your leprosy. So there's a little evangelist Israel, Israel girl. Mary, of course, was is one that probably 15 years old only, a maiden, it says in, in the book of Isaiah, a virgin. And at 15 years old, roughly, an angel came and spoke to her, but she was already betrothed to Joseph. Joseph at that age. They got betrothed and married much younger than than they did. There's another girl named Tabitha or Dorcas, which means gazelle, and she was healed by Peter. So those are just a few of the young girls that we could mention, but there's a whole lot more.
2: I can't help but also think of Rhoda, the girl who slammed the door in Peter's face after they'd been <laughs> praying all night for Peter to be free, and Peter shows up at the door. She sees him. She's like, guys, Peter's here, and slams the door. <laughs>
14: Yeah, and she and she was had a little insight into the spiritual life too, because we know that all of us have guardian angels. And when she slammed the door, she said she thought it was Peter's angel that was there, not Peter himself, but that his angel had showed up. So there we get even from her a little insight into how the either Jews way, thought either way
2: I wouldn't have slammed the door, but it's a it's a fascinating no, I, story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't help but want to focus the last couple minutes here, Steve, on a story that actually shows up in the readings for mass. Of course, many people. Uh, who listen to the Sunrise Morning Show here are either coming back from Mass or on their way to Mass. And if you're listening to Mark's Gospel as it's proclaimed this week, you're going to hear the story of one of Jesus' most famous healings of a 12-year-old girl, right? He's interrupted along the way by a woman who's had an issue of blood for many years, for 12 years, actually. But this is one of the most powerful healing stories in all of the Gospels, right?
14: Yes, and and Jesus often did these from afar, he he um, would heal people from a distance. But, yes, the fact that he healed a young girl is – and he was always doing this – I think that he had a soft spot for uh, children – because he even said, Let the little children come unto me and you can imagine that all the um little girls and boys would come up and touch him and be want to be near him because obviously he would have been a very um loving, wonderful guy. So they would all come up and, and want to be with him. But Jesus also cured a servant girl from a distance. The, the, remember the father came and said, Can you come to my house? And he said, Well, I don't I don't need to. Oh yes, I'll come to your house and he said but he said, Oh, you only need to say the word and sure enough um, she was healed from a distance. And, and we here quote that guy daughter, at mass every day, right? We quote every him every single day. In his faith. And you are not worthy to come under my roof. Exactly. But here's a little girl that died and Jesus cured her. And, and I think he, he cured also uh, um, a young man of a widow because she depended a woman in those days depended upon the girl depended upon her father then a girl depended on her husband after she got married after her husband died she depended on her sons so here you also saw a story of in Nain, which is right by the Mount of Transfiguration, by the way, where Jesus healed the only son of a, of a woman so that she would have someone there to take care of her in her old age. So yes, it, it, G, the girls are, played a very important role. They, they basically worked with their mothers. They took care of making clothes, getting the food ready, taking care of younger children, older people. And they had a much more traditional, and they still do to this day, by the way, in the Middle East, a much more traditional view of a family.
2: Well, Steve, there are uh, so many different things that we could say about girls and girlhood in the Bible, but I can't help but think of James one twenty-seven when uh, James kind of sums up the whole Christian life in a sentence, when he says, "...religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress." and keep oneself from being stained by the world, to look after those yep. orphans, to look after those girls, right, uh, and boys. right. Especially those girls who would have had all kinds of challenges uh, in, the, in those early centuries of the Church uh, when the Roman Empire considered them property, <laughs> right? When, but the yes, Church considered also- them people.
14: Absolutely, and and the early Christians, we we learn from history that the when, instead of abortion back in those days, what they did is they just threw their babies away when they were born. If it was a girl, they'd throw Beyond it under the, the, the t- dump pile to the be bridge.
2: exposed, of course. And
14: but the Christians would go and wait and bring those little kids back, those little girls and boys, and raise them as their own. And um, this is an, you're right in James. That's an example for all of us that we should be caring for these young people.
2: Indeed, well, there are opportunities all around you. Uh, just go look at the Parachute Bulletin Board, and I'm pretty sure you'll find some pretty easy opportunities to live that aspect of the gospel in everyday life in your own community. Steve Ray, we've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Hope people head over there and check out all kinds of fun stuff and see when they can travel to the Holy Land with you next. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. All right. Chris McGregor joins us coming up after the break. It's 14 till.
10: Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com.
2: It's always harder to get out of bed when it's cold outside. So give yourself something to look forward to, like Mystic Monk Coffee for the first cup of the day.
3: You can find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, and we earn a commission on anything you buy through that link.
2: You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can buy through our online store.
3: Check out the mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through S O N sonrisemorningshow.com.
2: That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
8: It's more than just another radio show. It's a beacon of truth. Fasten your seatbelt and find out why they call Deacon Harold Berg Sivers the dynamic deacon. Whether it's today's culture, sacred scripture, or the teachings of the church, Deacon Harold and his guests will help set you on fire for the Catholic faith. Join Deacon Harold for a fast paced hour that sheds encouraging light on today's culture. Beacon of Truth starting Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern only on EWTN Global Catholic Radio.
12: Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
2: 12 Till, here's Anna with headlines.
3: Pope Francis has called again for a global ceasefire, doing so in a new interview granted to the Italian newspaper La Stampa. President Biden says he's weighing options to retaliate against Iranian backed military militants behind the drone strike in Jordan that killed three U.S. soldiers and injured dozens more. The Archbishop, or the Orthodox Patriarch, rather, of Constantinople has expressed his condolences to the Apostolic Vicar of Istanbul over the attack on a Catholic church during Mass last weekend in Istanbul. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris.
17: Good morning, Anna. How are you doing today? I am
3: doing fine, thank you. And we've got a really cool homily to discuss as our selection this week from the Office of Readings. And we don't know who wrote it. Is that right?
17: That's right. We just don't know who the spiritual writer of the 4th century, of course, the the 300s. How wow. many years ago was that? 1,700 years ago? That's like Council of Nicaea time. Wow. Oh, yeah. It but goes it's, way back. It really speaks to us today, though. I mean, yeah. even in the verbiage of it, I mean, he this, this writer, whoever this might have been, male, female, we don't know. We don't know. But... um it it just it really just speaks to the human heart of what it is to be an everyday christian a reality it's yeah. just so lovely
3: yeah i like how you described it in your email to me the sometimes sermon <laughs> take us through mm-hmm.
17: it yeah it it's, it's so beautiful because what they're reflecting on is what it is to be a child of god and because of our baptism through the Holy Spirit, we know that Christ dwells within us, right? That's he even says this in the in the sermon, who carry Christ within them, shining within them and renewing them. These people are guided by the Spirit in various ways. And then it goes into what they would say: how this grace works invisibly in the inner peace, in the inner peace of their hearts. So then we have the great sometimes. <laughs> You know, sometimes we're mourning for humanity. Sometimes we'll, we'll look at what's going on in the world and our hearts will utter prayers for all mankind and, and we'll cry. And how often have we done that, especially in the last few months, right? When we look around at what's happening in the world, that's Christ within us working with us to mourn for what's happening with humanity. But then it also goes, sometimes they burn through the spirit with such love and exaltation that they would embrace all mankind if they could, good and bad. And how often have we seen that when we look at the face of Mother Teresa as she looks out into the world? Absolutely. You know, it, it's just and it goes on and on, doesn't
3: it? Yeah. And you're going to have to stick with me here because this sermon got me thinking about the screw tape letters. And uh, mm. longtime listeners of the Sunrise Morning Show know that I hearken back to this section of the Screwtape letters, which was so formative for me uh, long ago. Um, so Screwtape, of course, like uh, higher up in the hierarchy of hell. And he's giving advice to his nephew, Wormwood, on how to best tempt Wormwood's patient, um, you know, to to bring them away from God. And he's got a whole bunch of. Advice throughout the chapters of the Screw Tape letters and these letters that he writes to his to his nephew, but the one that hit me the hardest was the section on time. And it says mm-hmm. um, he he basically says, you know, if you can get your patient to dwell in the past, uh, that's okay because the past has already happened. And so um, he says this is particularly effective with like widows, for instance, to just get them to constantly be thinking about the past or what you really want is to get them to dwell on the future because the future really doesn't exist. So you're in this unknown realm and you're not thinking about the present moment. He said, either way, do not let your patient live in the present moment because the present is the time that touches eternity. And this is something that I need to be reminded about constantly, Chris, is that I need to love God now. In my present situation, whatever that happens to be, because every moment of life is an opportunity to do that, and I need to forget about what's around me or what I want my situation to be. I need to love God now.
17: That's right. He'll He'll place you in this moment, and for you to be uh, Christ, as it, as it said early in this this. Uh, Sermon, but also as St. Paul reminds us, is Christ who dwells in us mm-hmm. by virtue of that baptism. So that moment needs us to be that light. So again, that moment might be in mourning for humanity. It might be in rejoicing in the glory and loving humanity. It might be in that, that moment of uh, spiritual warfare. Like all warriors, they have to fight spiritual enemies. Sometimes that's it. Sometimes the experience is so deep in that inner peace and spiritual delight, feeling a profound connection with God. It's sometimes it, it, that's what again. This is the sometimes sermon. Yep. It, it's sometimes they are filled with wisdom and insight, and you learning about the spirit, the things that can do beyond human expression, and delighting in God.
3: Yeah, and sometimes their soul is in a state just like anyone else's. That's right. And even in those ordinary moments, Chris, don't you think? Are are countless opportunities to love the Lord.
17: That is. And how we love Him by adoring Him, praising Him, giving Him all the glory. We love Him by caring for our neighbors. We care for the 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 Christ who dwells, the suffering one in our neighbor. And rejoicing with the rejoicing one in our neighbor. It's it's being in that constant communion, community of the body of Christ. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the most beautiful things in this this beautiful sermon is that last paragraph. That prayer I want to put up somewhere and just keep that right in my yeah. journal, maybe say it every day. Let us pray to God. Pray with great love and hope that He may give us the heavenly grace of the Spirit. Let us pray that the Spirit may guide us and lead us, following God's will in every way, and may remake us in stillness and in quiet. Mm. Thanks to his guidance and spiritual strengthening, may we be found worthy to attain the perfection and fullness of Christ. And I, I think that's why this is this is written seventeen hundred years ago, but it could have it was it rings true to the human heart today. And we need these reminders, the reminders of the sometimes. Yeah,
3: absolutely. It is a sermon for today. I mean, ever ancient, ever new, right, Chris? It says, Grace is poured into them in different ways and by different paths it leads the soul, renewing it according to God's will. It guides it by various paths until it is made whole, sinless, and stainless before the Heavenly Father. We might have different paths, but the Lord is bringing us all to himself. Just a beautiful sermon we don't know the author, but a mm-hmm. beautiful sermon in the patrimony of the church that is just priceless in the Office of Readings this week. We've been talking about it with Chris McGregor, and you can find it her site, DiscerningHearts.com, linked at sunrise SunriseMorningShow.com. Chris, thank you so much for bringing this one to our attention.
17: Yep, thank you. Any, any time for you, Anna. I Just sometimes Stop it. Thanks. <laughs>
3: All right, that'll do it for the Sunrise Morning Show. God bless you and keep you and grant you